Hi there and welcome to Global Heart Church. Uh, I'm Jared Keane, a senior pastor, and wherever you are tuning in from around the world today, really, really hope and pray that in our planning of this message that it's going to really inspire you for the great journey that you are on and uh, for the great calling that you have in your own life. So enjoy the message and really pray that it's a blessing to you today. Exciting to be here. You can take your seats. You can take your seats. And I am, um, it's good to be back. I've just been snow skiing. It was good. It was so good, but it is good to be back. Hey, I want to ask you have you ever said anything or had something said to you that you didn't really understand until later? Yeah? You know, The things that um, maybe you say them again and again or you hear them again and again and you don't realise until much later, oh my gosh, that's what that meant. One of those for me was LOL. You know when you started like shortening things on text and um, I I thought LOL was lots of love. So I sent all these texts to people saying, LOL, lots of love. I don't know how many text messages I sent to people that was inappropriate because one time I sent a text message. This is where I learnt that it didn't mean lots of love. I sent a text message to someone and I thought I was saying lots of love because they were in a a, a challenging time. And they're like, why are you laughing out loud? How is this funny? I'm like, I'm so sorry. I thought it meant lots of love. (laughs) Yeah. And we just got back from snow skiing, like I said, and um, we went over there. It was my dad's 80th. I'm the youngest of six girls. It was his 80th, so he took us all snow skiing, my sisters, all of our kids, our husbands. And um, our older three kids, they've all snowed snowed before. They've not snowed. They've skied before, but they haven't. um, The one that hasn't is Chase. So Chase is our four-year-old little boy. And so the older ones are up and going. And um, it was Chase's turn to get learning to ski. And because my husband, Ross, snowboards, I am the designated teacher, which is not great. I just tried to jump in those praise songs and my knees were like, oh, after flipping skiing. But it was worth it. Anyway. So there's a process that you need to take to teach your kids to ski. And the first thing is, you know, the first thing is snowplow. This looks really awesome. But you snowplow, you've got to learn how to go slow. You've got your skis on, you've got to be like a big triangle. First thing you've got to learn to stop and then go slow, right? So stop is like big triangle, right? The next thing is you've got to learn to turn. So Chase had stop pretty much mastered by day two. You know, he would pretty much get the stop when we said stop, big triangle, big triangle. He'd do his legs really wide and his skis would stop eventually. Praise God, he nearly ran into some trees along the way, but like right at the last minute, he was heading straight to a tree. We'd be like, big triangle. And he just, like at the last minute, just turned. Jesus had some angels there, I'm sure. But um, the reason why you need to learn how to turn is because if you don't turn, you very quickly, you just go straight down the mountain. Who skied before? All right, so you know, so if you don't learn to turn, you go straight down the mountain, you pick up speed, you lose control and you end up in a tree or in a mangled mess. So he pretty much got the, turn, the, the stop sorted, but his turnings weren't happening. So he was just heading straight down the mountain, straight down the mountain. It was hectic. Um, and so the way that we were teaching him to turn is that my sisters, me, all of us were being like aeroplanes like this. And when you want to turn that way, you lean on the outside leg like this and you turn. And then if you want to turn that way, that arm goes up, lean on the outside leg. So we were all being like aeroplanes. 
snaking down the mountain, looking like idiots, right? And it didn't matter how many times we told Chase, lean on the outside leg, arms out, reach down. He just did not get it. He did not get it. We were modelling it. He did not get it. And at one point we were laughing so hard because (laughs) he had me and my sisters doing the aeroplane and we're trying to teach him. And he just looks at us all and was like, stuff you. And just went straight down again and again and again. He was not getting it. Until one, one, I think on day, day four, Penny dropped, he got it, he started leaning, he started turning, which completely changed his whole ski holiday trip because it meant that then he could ski with his cousins, which was all he wanted to do. But um, something that I remember that was said to me as a teenager again and again and again that I just didn't get was Jesus loves you. Yeah, did anyone have that said to them? Jesus loves you? by, you know, religious teachers, by all the, just flippantly thrown out. You know, my response would always be, yep, cool, whatever, thanks, whatever. To me, it was a flippant religious statement thrown around by religious people and it had little to no significance to me. You know, it wasn't something that I got, wasn't something that I really cared about and because I didn't get it until one day that I did. One day when I was 18 and the words that I'd heard thrown around, Jesus loves you, Jesus loves you. um, The ones that I'd previously scoffed at, dismissed, laughed at, you know, was like whatever, actually started to mean something. And I started to understand them and I started to understand the significance of what they meant. And it completely changed my life. I was working at the snow, which is where I met my husband, Ross, and I was there working at a lodge and he was there with some friends on holiday and we were talking and he was telling me about Jesus. They were telling me about who he was and I wasn't a Christian at that time. And um, they were telling me about who he was, who Jesus was to them and what what he'd done in their lives. And I remember Ross didn't say a huge amount, but at the end of the conversation, he just said, just remember, no matter what you've done, no matter what you ever do, Jesus loves you. And that little phrase that had meant nothing to me, sent me to my bed in tears and God just started to just awaken in me an understanding that this is significant. And this was the start of Him starting to change my life. These three little words, yeah? Yeah, three power-filled words. Jesus loves you. And if you take the time tonight, not just to hear them, but allow yourself to understand them, if you don't just dismiss them like, like I always did, but try to accept them. They could change your life too. Jesus loves you. And I'd love to take some time tonight just to unpack this. Three words. I wanna unpack it. And if you've known Jesus for a long time, then I pray that tonight that the Holy Spirit will just refresh and reignite a passion of following Jesus and a new understanding of what this means. But also that you will earnestly go and actually bring other people to understand what these words mean. And maybe you've been like me and you've heard them, but they've not really meant anything to you. Then I pray that tonight you'll actually get a real revelation of what they mean and that you'll be changed by them as well. And if you've never had someone tell you that Jesus loves you, I'm telling you tonight, Jesus loves you. And it's a pretty big deal. It's actually a game changer. Let me just pray. Jesus, I just thank you. 
Lord, I thank You that You're here right now. And I thank You, Jesus, that You are wanting to move. And Lord, I thank You that You love us. I thank You, Holy Spirit, right now, that those words, Jesus loves You. Lord, that You will just penetrate every heart. Holy Spirit, I just pray that You speak to every heart, that You give um, fresh revelation, that You reveal Yourself to every person, soften their hearts, God. And Lord, I just pray that every one of us will walk away tonight with a new revelation of how incredibly good it is to know that You love us. Holy Spirit, I just pray, save us, bless us. Lord, be with us tonight and speak to us in Jesus' Name. Amen. 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 All right, let's start with Jesus. Who is He? Yeah? There are a lot of ideas around who Jesus is. A good teacher, a baby in a manger, a Christmas figurine. Yeah, a good guy who lived a long time ago who had good teaching. A historical religious figure that you see in old people's homes or in old churches, a God. Let's have a look at Colossians 1, verses 15 to 20 to see who Jesus really is. All right, so Christ, Jesus Christ, is the visible image of the invisible God. He is God in the flesh. He existed before anything else was created and is supreme over all creation. Nothing in all creation is bigger or more powerful than Jesus, yeah? No sickness, no financial struggle, no challenge, no trauma, no sin, no relationship um, challenge or breakdown is bigger than Jesus. And in fact, we can speak His Name over any situation and we know that He will move. There are sometimes I don't know, I don't know what to pray. When there's something that's too confronting, too big, too overwhelming, I don't know what to pray. So I just say, Jesus, I speak Your Name over this situation because I know His Name is more powerful. Let's keep going. For through, through Him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things that we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through Him and for Him. He existed before anything else and He holds all creation together. How unreal is that? He was here before anything else. God created everything in Him and for Him. He holds us together. He holds the skies, the sunsets, the moon, the stars. He holds us together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is His body. He's the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. So He is the first in everything. For God in all of His fullness was pleased to live in Christ and through Him, God reconciled everything to Himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. Because of our sin, we were separated from our heavenly Father, yeah? But Jesus paid for our sin and He... He paid for our sin with His life and He reconciled us to our Heavenly Father. Revelations 1 verse 17 and 18 says that Jesus is the first and the last, the living one. He dived, died, He didn't dive. He died, He might've dived. Um, he died, but is now alive forever and ever. And He holds the keys of death and the grave. He is alive and He's conquered death. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. I love that. Jesus is the only one who loved you so much to die for your sin, to die for your salvation. It's so good. 
He chose to be tortured. He chose to go to the cross of Calvary as a sacrifice. He's the only one that chose. He could have have gotten off that tree, but He chose to hang on that tree for you and for me so that we didn't have to bear the weight of our sin. And if we choose to accept Him, if we choose to respond to Him, we will be restored, we will be healed, we'll be reconciled to our Father for eternity and have access to the fullness of God for eternity. Jesus is our Saviour. And you know, the longer that I live with Him, the more that it baffles me. When I compare me, my selfishness, to this selfless, beautiful, self-sacrificing Saviour. You know, I'm the person at the beach, like I don't like sharks very much. And I'm the person at the beach that like, I'm okay swimming in the water if I'm not the furthest one out, yeah? I don't care if one of those Lucy Blockier is. I don't care if one of those further ones out of my children, as long as it's not me, I'm okay. Like this is me, I'm joking, partially, partially. But that's like, that's how selfish I am. As long as there's someone out there further that they can be shark bait, I'm good. As long as I'm not. Throughout the Bible, Jesus is also referred to as Emmanuel which means God with us, God in us, God for us. Isaiah 6, 9 says that Jesus is our wonderful counsellor, our mighty God, our everlasting Father and our Prince of Peace. This is who Jesus is. And so to summarise, Jesus isn't just some historical religious figure that has no relevance to you or to I. He's very much relevant to every one of us. And even though the enemy has tried to distract us and push him to the side of our culture and our world and deceive us about who he really is, the truth is is that he always has been and always will be very much undeniably the centre of this world, this universe and eternity. Jesus is God in the flesh. He's the first out of everything, supreme over everything. He created everything, everything we can see, everything we can't see. He holds everything together, you, me, the universe. He is alive and He holds the keys to death. He is our Saviour and He reconciled us to the Father in heaven. He is Emmanuel and He is our Counsellor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. He is the only one that can give us true peace. Jesus, there is no one like Him. Let's move on to loves. So we've looked at who Jesus is, yeah? Let's move to loves. Jesus' love is unlike any other that you may have experienced in this world. You know, even the best love that you've experienced doesn't compare to the love that God has, that Jesus has for you. You know, the Bible says Christ's love is, and it'll come up on the screen. Well, there's lots there. Christ's love is purposeful, it's healing, it's forgiving, it's eternal. Christ's love is unconditional and steadfast. It protects, it's great. Christ's love is intense and self-sacrificial. Christ's love, God's love cast out all fear. In 1 Corinthians, it says that His love is also patient and kind and unfailing. It is not envious. It doesn't boast. It's not proud. It's not rude. It's not self-seeking or easily angered. His love keeps no records of wrongs and takes no pleasure in evil. It rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things and endures all things. God's love is also provisional. You know, God knows what we need, when we need it, even before we even realise that we need something, He's working to provide it. You know, one, one year, a couple of years ago, we were putting to, um, we decided after Christmas Eve service, we would put together a 
trampoline for our children. We came home, it was 10.30, the kids got put in bed and uh, we decided we'd start putting together this trampoline, massive one. And um, about an hour in, we had put some together and put, and then had to re completely redo it because we'd done it wrong. And um, and and we were getting a little bit tense. Our relationship, Ross and my relationship, was slightly fractured uh, at that point. And. Um, then comes, then comes, I'm thinking, our kids are going to wake up at Christmas morning and they're going to have part of a frame, part of a mat, the mat lying on the ground. We're thinking, this is not going to happen. Like, this is, this is ridiculous. It was 11.30 and it wasn't good, looking good. Next minute, our, um, our neighbour rocks up, who is... He's not the most sociable lad. We've like, when we've said hello to him, he's like, mm, and he will just go, go into his home. And um, this night, he'd come home from a big night and he was very happy, very intoxicated. <laughs> and, um, and he's come home in an Uber and then he's seen all our lights on out the front and he's seen us trying to put together. And he's like, all right, what are we doing then? And I'm like, oh no, the last thing we need is like some drunk guy getting in the way. Ross and I are already, Ross is already like done. He is not a happy chappy. And uh, the last thing we need is this, this guy. Anyway, he's like, right, I'm in. I'm in. I'm like, no, 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 we're good. We're good. We're fine. We're fine. He's like, nah, I'm in. And so he's like, this is, he was this beautiful. We, I'm thinking that is the last thing we need, we need, but it was actually such a godsend because he was drunk. He got his drunk muscle into it. We would not have been able to put this thing together without his like muscle. Like we wouldn't have done it. But also he just paid me out and laughed, cracked jokes the whole night. So we completely diffused the tension that was there. We laughed for the next three hours, but also we actually got this trampoline up. Whereas before, literally the kids the next morning would have woken up to a partial frame and a trampoline mat on the ground if he hadn't have come. God knows what, he, what we need. Even if we don't know what we need, He knows what we need long before we do. But I want to encourage you as well that God's love is very different to what we see in the world. Pardon me. Loving the world is driven by satisfying our own insecure, forever changing feelings and desires, which often hurts ourselves and hurts other people. And I think the world's idea of love has been largely influenced and created by a collective of creative people in Hollywood, you know, to sell movies, and it's not that those people are bad, but you can't create an image of God without including at the very centre of it, the man that is God, Jesus. And the Bible says that 1 John 4, 16 says that God is love. You know, growing up, romance movies and romance series episodes, when I was feeling down, when I was feeling bored or um, whatever, dissatisfied, that would be my go-to. I'd go and watch these romantic movies and then I'd kind of get caught up very quickly in the love story that was on the screen. But also I'd become very dissatisfied and even more insecure and even more unsettled about my own life because my reality wasn't matching up with what I was seeing um, on the screen. And even now it's something that I need to be mindful of and I need to put really strong boundaries in place because if I am feeling tired or overwhelmed, if I don't lead myself well in those moments, then I can, you know, in the past I've led myself instead of to Jesus, I've led myself to the quick fix on Netflix <laughs> to, um, you know, get, you know, to watch the romantic comedy or to watch, you know, PG rated, nothing, you know, 
bad, bad. But to me, you know, it was a bit of a hook that I could then get pulled into and I get caught up in the world, the Hollywood romantic scene that then again leaves me feeling unsatisfied, um, insecure, comparing my life, comparing myself, comparing my marriage to the relationship that I'm seeing on the screen. And it's so damaging and so um, destructive. And I need to be really careful that I don't go there. But Because on the other hand, if I lead myself to Jesus, when I'm feeling overwhelmed, when I'm feeling tired, I lead myself to God's love. He takes hold of me, immediately, immediately comforts, it, comforts me, immediately brings peace, strengthens me, gives me perspective and joy, immediately brings confidence and assurance because unlike the love that we find in the world that's like shifting sands, His love is firm, never changing and it's an incredibly strong foundation. God's love is so much more than we can find in the world. And God's love, um, God knows that we will easily be caught up in the world and what the world offers us. And so in 1 John 2 verse 15, 17, He says, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, the pride of life is not from the Father, but from the world. The world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God remains forever. You know, when Imogen was three, um, we went to Fiji for my mum's birthday this time. My parents like to go holidaying for their birthdays. But um, I remember the locals said to us, don't, let, don't touch the, the dogs. There was heaps of mangy dogs around, feral dogs. And um, so we had spoken to our kids and said, kids, don't touch the dogs. They're not safe. They've got diseases. They could bite you. Anyway, I was walking out of a community centre and there was loads of people. We were in a marketplace, loads of people. And I had my kids either side of me, but Imogen slipped out of my hands and I could not find her amongst the people. And finally, when I found her, she's across the other side of the marketplace, cuddling, bear hugging this mangy dog, right? And I'm like, oh my gosh, in Fiji, it's really rude to raise your voice. So I'm like, Emmy, Emmy, trying to like get through all the people. Meanwhile, one of the local women have seen Imogen and she's like, don't touch the dog, it'll bite you. And it just made me praise God that she did not, uh, <laughs> she did not get bitten. But um, when we hold on to the romance of the world, the love that the world offers, it's like holding on to one of these feral dogs, thinking that they'll hug us back. But actually, instead, we're at real risk of uh, being bitten, being hurt, getting very sick as a result. What the world offers looks good; it looks alluring. But God says, don't fall for it because His love, His love is the real love. And then Jesus loves you, you, unconditionally, passionately, purposefully, you. It's a crazy thing when we think about it, that Jesus, the Creator of everything, holds everything together in His hands, loves so passionately and purposefully forever. So much so that He died on the cross to save us and to reconcile us, you. And I love when King David realises how massive this is. And he says in Psalm 8, When I consider your heavens and the works of your fingers, the, moons and the, star, the moon and the stars which you've set in place, what is mankind? What is mankind that you are mindful of Him? 
human beings that you care for, for them. I love this, He loves you. This God who made everything loves you, all of you. Psalm 139 says, You have searched me, O Lord, and you know me. He knows us. He knows the mess that we are. He knows the mess that we've created. You know, when I sit down and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways, yet He loves you. How powerful. He sees you, He knows you, He loves you. He's not under any illusions about who you are or what you've done. He knows it all and He loves you despite it all. He loves you when you're faithful, when you're unfaithful, when you're at your best, when you're at your worst, when you succeed, when you, f- when you fail, when you've got your stuff together, I don't know who does, but He also loves you when you're messed up. And we've got this say- saying in our house and we say it to our kids, when you're mad, when you're bad, when you're grumpy and when you're sad, we still love you. And we say that because it's based on how God loves us. doesn't matter how you come, how you are, He loves you. He loves you when you love Him. He loves you when you hate Him. He loves you when you blame Him. He loves you when you ignore Him. He loves you when you're ashamed of Him. He loves you when you ridicule Him. He loves you when you mock Him and when you're angry with Him. I've done all of these things and it baffles me. It blows me away that still in all those times, He loved me through it all. Jesus loves you. And I want to encourage you, you know, I want to, that, those words, Jesus loves you, was something that was said to me often, so often that just was like, yeah, whatever. What got me to a place, I was thinking about this this week, what got me to a place where those words just would go flippantly beyond me and, and ignored by me to then one night actually being words that pierced my heart. What was that? Yes, God was there. But I reckon it was two things in particular. One, people prayed for me. People prayed that God would soften my heart. But two, people didn't just tell me that Jesus loved me. People told me their stories about who Jesus was for them. Yeah, Matthew 10, Matthew 13 says, it's talking about when Jesus was uh, telling stories to all the people. He was telling stories about His Kingdom to help them understand His Kingdom better. And His disciples came up to Him and asked, why do you tell stories? He replied, you've been given insight into God's Kingdom. You know how it works. Not everybody has this gift, this insight. It hasn't been given to them. Whenever someone has a ready heart for this, the insights and the understandings flow freely. But if there is no readiness, any trace of receptivity soon disappears. That's why I tell stories, to create a readiness to nudge people towards a welcome awakening. In their present state, they can stare until doomsday and still not see it. Listen till they're blue in the face and still not hear it and not get it. Jesus told stories to help people understand His Kingdom, to bring them to a place where their hearts were ready to receive Him. You know, we've all got stories, yeah? We've all got stories of what Jesus has done or is doing in our lives. And I encourage you, if you are a Christian and you live with Jesus, you know Jesus, now's not the time to be quiet about what He's doing in your life. I love that, 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 that really spoke to me this week when, when Jesus was saying that He read, he, he tells stories to ready people's hearts. There are people around your life that if they didn't just, you know, one, we've got to tell them that Jesus loves them. 
but we also need to tell them the stories of what Jesus is doing in our own lives so that we can help ready their hearts to receive them, to receive Him. Our stories join the dots for people. In Revelation 12 verse 11, the Bible's talking about a great battle, battle that's happening in the heavenly places against God's angels and the enemy's angels. And um, it says, They, God's angels, triumphed over Him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. The word of their testimony, their story. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink back from death. They weren't ashamed. They weren't ashamed of Jesus. They weren't afraid to lose their life. They overcame the enemy by the blood of the Lamb, the blood of Jesus that was shed on the cross and by their testimony. We overcome by living with Jesus, living under the blood, but also by our story. I wanna encourage you, speak. There is a world outside that has no idea who Jesus is. They think that He is just some historical religious figure that has no relevance to them. We need to actually shake up that whole, that whole understanding, that whole perspective. They need to know who Jesus really is. You know, I love there's a script, you know, but how Romans 10, 14, how can they how can they call on Jesus to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him unless if they've never heard of him? How can they hear about him unless someone tells them? Church, we need to tell people about Jesus. Now is not the time to be quiet. There are people around you that are confused about who Jesus really is. You need to tell them that Jesus loves them. You need to tell them what Jesus is and has done in your life. Don't let fear hold you back. I love in Proverbs, it says, fearing people is a dangerous trap, but trusting the Lord means safety. Trusting the Lord means safety for them, but it also means safety for you, yeah? Fearing people traps you and it keeps them trapped. But trusting God means safety for you and safety for them. I wanna encourage you, church, speak. Speak about what God's doing. Don't be quiet. It's the only way that we're gonna actually help people see the truth of who Jesus is. Is that cool? Can we stand? Let's just sing. Thank you so much for joining us online today. Really great to have you with us. And special thanks to those also who give online. Your generosity is making the way for others to hear the message of Jesus, both here in Australia and around the world. If you enjoyed today's message, I'd love to encourage you to share this message with a friend, a workmate, a family member. And let's believe together that it will powerfully impact their life for good in Jesus' name. If you're unable to be with us at one of our church locations, uh, both here in Australia and around the world, please join us online every Sunday for Global Heart at Home on YouTube. God bless and have a great week.